a biblical assessment of emotionally focused therapy on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. And here we are again in the month of May, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as has been our custom the past several years, I do want us to turn our attention to consider this whole paradigm, this idea, if you will, of mental health. And and certainly it's very common to us. People don't question that paradigm often. What what I've really enjoyed doing the past couple of years is either doing some sort of uh, looking back into history so that you have a better understanding of mental health, where it came from, where that language comes from, what builds the idea of mental health, uh, how we got to the points to where we are today. And then we've also done particular critiques, looking at things through a biblical lens, trying to have a biblical analysis of different types of therapy. And I want us to consider a therapy that I think is is really impacted us, maybe unknowingly. You, you may or may not know emotionally focused therapy. Maybe you've never heard of it. But I would guarantee you that you've been impacted by some of the ideologies that, that are found in this idea of emotionally focused therapy. And today on the podcast, I have with me one of my PhD students, Marshall Adkins. I'm so grateful for Marshall, his service in Bardstown, Kentucky at Parkway Baptist Church. He's the pastor of adult discipleship there. He's married to his wife, Rachel, and they have three young kids. He was ACBC certified back in 2020. And I really enjoy getting to know Marshall through his relationship with me as a student and just his work. Been very impressed and, and really encouraged by the work that he's doing. And uh, actually, this topic came out of a paper that he wrote for a PhD seminar. And you're going to find out that maybe those things aren't as boring as, as you once thought they were. And so it's an exciting topic for us to talk about. Marshall, listen, I'm so grateful that you're here to help us think through this and to discuss this issue today. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Johnson. It's a delight to be on the podcast with you. So what I want to do, Marshall, if we can, is let's take a look at this idea of emotionally focused therapy. And like I said, many people hear that term and they really don't have a category for that. They not, they're not sure, okay, number one, what is that? And number two, like, why in the world are we discussing this on the podcast? So I want to start by just saying, what in the world is EFT and why in the world should we talk about it? Yeah, that's good. So EFT is an approach to couples counseling. So it's primarily aimed at marriage, relationship, couples counseling. And it was primarily developed by a psychologist named Susan Johnson. And uh, she is actually a British woman who is Canadian. I went to school and, and does her work in Canada. And she had developed EFT during the 80s and 90s. And it really aims to help couples work through times of difficulty, to help them reestablish what they would call an emotional connection with one another so that they can have, you know, what she would describe as a mutual, mutually satisfying relationship. So she's written a, a lot of stuff uh, at, at the academic level. The, the book that probably go to, to to learn about her theory is uh, called The Practice of Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy. But she's also written several popular level books that have, um, I think, taken her ideas and her model to a wider audience. Uh, For example, she wrote the book Hold Me Tight, 
Seven Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. She wrote another book called Love Sense. There's actually that first one, the book Hold Me Tight. There's a Christian version of that called Created for Connection. So th- this is a, a model of couples counseling and marriage therapy that has got some steam. Mm-hmm. It's widely practiced among MFTs, so marriage family therapists. So as you know, pastors and church leaders, if our folks are going to receive marriage and family therapy, uh, it, it's likely that they may encounter EFT. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, EFT has also gained some interest among Christian counselors. And of course, through those books, uh, the popular level books, a, a wider Christian audience likely reading her work. Well, I, I think that that definitely gives us enough understanding, at least to start out. And then I, I think it's important, the points that you made relative to how does this impact us? And, and for those of you who are pastors out there, maybe you're you're just, you know, lay people and you befriend others and, you know, you find a couple who's not doing well. And, you know, if you were to send them to someone, it's a good chance that they would encounter a Christian counselor who might even practice something like EFT or, or some version of it. It is that popular. It has influenced that much. The humanistic style of psychology from which it's born out of is really dominant. And as you mentioned with marriage and family therapists, I mean, this is a, a common thing, certainly in the secular world, but I would also argue in the integrated world as well. And so it is important that we can recognize some of these ideas. Oftentimes, like I said, it's not it's not named by EFT. Many of you may have never even heard of it. But as we get into this next segment where we're talking about the philosophy behind it, you're going to start to recognize some of the ideas. You're going to start to recognize some of that thought, even in popular level Christian books where we hear some of the same type of language. And so, Marshall, I want to get into some of that if we can. So what are what are some of the big ideas, right, that, that we can pay attention to that, that we might even recognize that's really driving the philosophy or the philosophical foundation behind emotionally focused therapy? Yeah, I appreciate the question. And Part of the reason why we want to ask it that way is when we encounter EFT, we are probably going to hear about the methods, the techniques, the actual what's happening in the counseling room with our church member or whatever the case might be. However, there there really there is a philosophical foundation underneath EFT that's important to understand if we're going to get a good grasp on what it is and how we can assess it biblically. And Susan Johnson would actually agree agree with this. So in her book, you know, she she writes that a therapist needs a theory of healthy functioning, a formulation of how problems occur and how they disrupt and, and how to produce change. So you, you can hear it right from her. She's she's not unaware of this. In fact, she actually helps us. It's it's great when theorists do this. She helps us because she very clearly articulates the defining beliefs that she has about human nature, about the nature of human problems, about the goal of treatment, and even the process of change. And that's all very important to how this therapeutic framework is constructed. So she actually offers a a set of three questions or three sets of questions, I might say. She, She asks questions, for example, what is happening? What is the problem? What is the target of intervention? What should be happening in the relationship? What does healthy functioning look like? What is the goal of treatment? What should the couple do to bring change about and move toward a healthier relationship? What should the therapist do? So, I mean, as we can see, 
Johnson is clearly trying to establish a firm philosophical foundation through the way she presents EFT. And if I, I was to boil it down, I would use, I think her formulation is, is very concise. She boils it down to four big ideas that form the foundation of EFT. And I'm going to very shorthand paraphrase them. The first idea is the importance of attachment theory or the um, emotional bond. And the second is the importance of the emotional experience of the individual and the couple. Thirdly, it's the idea that people, and specifically their alleged needs and longings, desires, are essentially good and adaptive. And uh, finally, she would suggest that change centers around when the individual and couple has a different emotional experience and a re-secured emotional bond. That was a mouthful. That's a, a lot. And I think it might be helpful to sort of work through some of the high points of that. The, the first big idea there, the importance of the emotional bond, EFT, and Johnson writes this in her book, they believe that one of the most primary human needs, that's an important word, one of the most primary human needs is to have a secure emotional connection and attachment with those closest to us. And that's coming right from her book. And the theory would see romantic relationships as a vehicle, essentially through which a person satisfies these innate needs for security, for safety, for being understood and loved, accepted by another person. So clearly it's coming from adult attachment theory. So it's the belief that we as, as human beings are hot, hardwired through evolutionary processes to seek out these secure attachments. Uh, and we find, for example, in a mate, the satisfaction of these needs for safety, for what we would need for survival and reproduction, in other words. And Johnson actually says it explicitly this way. She says that social bonding mammals is what we are uh -huh. uh, as human beings. And th that in evolutionary, you know, so-called evolutionary impulse is what she would offer to us as the most fundamental way of understanding the human relationship, uh, specifically the, the marriage or romantic relationship. It is essentially seeking to meet these so-called attachment needs. Now, we need to pause here for a second because, I mean, th this, is, this is like paramount. Now, number one, I want to go back to something that you said earlier. Susan Johnson, she understands the fact that these things work in a system, okay, that, that, that there's a philosophy that's being applied here, that we understand people from a certain disposition, and methodologies and techniques certainly flow out of that. I definitely want us to talk about methodologies and techniques maybe at another time. But I, what I want to do now is to emphasize that point. We can't see this type of therapy outside of its philosophical foundations. And I think this attachment theory idea that you're describing here is, is paramount. Where she sees a person as driven by an evolutionary impulse, impulse, which makes this need something that's foundational to us and our happiness and our ability to function appropriately in, in the way that she describes this. And this is the type of, you'll never hear the evolutionary philosophy connected to it, but this is a type of need-based description that we hear often in a lot of our Christian literature that, that we're trying to detach it from the evolutionary impulse, but that's impossible to do, honestly. And, and, she even recognizes that, you know, that that's pretty paramount. So 
before I rudely interrupted you, you were you were talking about some of these philosophical ideas and, and connecting them for us. I think attachment theory is a big issue. We don't have time to dive into that mm-hmm. today. I think this is something that maybe at some point you'll explore further as a PhD student. At least I hope maybe that that's something that's important. It's certainly an issue that's talked about a lot in the biblical counseling world. How do we think about this in terms of adoption and needs and all these kinds of things relative to marriage and compatibility and so on. And so this is a big topic and, and we can see the roots of where some of this is coming from. So thoughts about that and then, and then keep moving on the, the big ideas here. Yeah, that's right. So she essentially sees the romantic relationship as an emotional bond through the lens of attachment theory. And so that's how she's understanding the human person and then the way we relate to one another in the marriage relationship. So I I think that first foundation, the importance of the emotional bond really does help us understand the philosophical foundation of the theory. The second part, and of course, in the name emotionally focused therapy, she sees the emotional experience and EFT sees the emotional experience as vital. And and it's really, you know, you, you mentioned that it's humanistic. The origins of the theory, it is a reaction to sort of the over an overcompensation toward the cognitive and the behavioral and the psychoanalytic. So it's very much so in sort of the humanistic stream. And the way that they understand the emotional experience is it's what she calls the response system. And what it is telling us in, in her estimation is how well or how poorly our emotional needs are being met. So when you find a in in a couple emotions like anger or anxiety or hurt uh, or sadness, despair, these are indicators to her that one or both of them are not meeting the emotional needs of the other, the attachment needs of the other. And so she would see emotions as, and this is to the third big idea that I mentioned earlier, that people are essentially good. And in other words, their so-called needs, their longings, their desires are essentially good and adaptive. And what she means by that is emotions are basically morally neutral and they're adaptive. So the anger is, it has a function in her ideology where it helps the person understand that my emotional needs are not being met. Mm -hmm. And so if you see a couple who is stuck in a pattern of anger and hurt and conflict, she would see that as simply symptomatic of a stress in their emotional bond. And so what the couple would need in her estimation is that they need to help to have a new emotional experience individually and then between one another as a couple in order to re-secure this attachment to meet these sort of emotional needs. And and what the goal would be is that each partner, which I'm not a fan of that particular word, but each spouse in, in a marriage would be seen and heard and understood and feel safe and accepted by the other spouse. She actually uses an acronym R A R E. It's accessible, responsive, and engaged. So in other words, when, when she sits down with a couple or when an EFT therapist sits down with a couple, what they're looking for is do these individuals understand each other's emotional needs and are they seeking to meet those adequately? And if there's conflict or distress in the relationship, it's probably because there's not awareness or action being taken to those ends. So if we were to, to summarize the philosophical foundation, basically what, what EFT is presenting to us is that humans are social bonding mammals. Uh-huh. And what we're striving to do through marriage 
or any sort of romantic relationship is get our attachment needs met. Uh And because of their view of human beings as innately good and adaptive, Uh what they're suggesting is that if that environment is provided, people will move toward growth and that the the person and the couple can experience a mutually satisfying situation. And what we have to distinguish here, I think, is, you know, her goal is she wants to see a good relationship. She wants to see a, a relationship that's deep, emotional, uh, vulnerable. Those are those are not unknown to the biblical idea. The problem is how she thinks we get there or why she thinks they're broken. And that's what I think often we miss in sort of the Christian worldview is take something, you know, I could totally see someone taking this idea and saying, Oh, she's talking about something like First Peter three seven, where a man is supposed to live with his wife in an understanding way. Well, we're talking about two totally different motives here. A man is called to die to himself to the degree that he's willing, for the good and sake of his spouse, to live with her and try to understand her. It's not the idea of I, I just simply want to meet your emotional needs so that I can maintain this emotional bond for me as a selfish pursuit. Those are two radically different things, okay? And so when we try to use the same language, we're talking about two totally different things. And I think this is the danger on the fringe of us imbibing these ideas from the secular world. And instead of saying, well, no, let's clarify biblically what we mean by these things. We're not saying that sympathy in a relationship is bad or, or wanting deep emotional you know, relationship with someone is bad. That, that's, that's good and healthy. It should be the most vulnerable relationship we have. But we need to distinguish what the aims are and then how we get there. It's in the paradox of Christianity, it's by dying to self, not not simply, you know, rubbing someone else's back so that you get something else in return from a reciprocal perspective. Okay, so before I get too far in stealing what I want you to do, okay, notice what we've done here, guys, is we've tried to present this therapy as as it's presented. We've tried to build a case for her in 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 a way that I think she would agree with. From, from her writings in Emotionally Focused Therapy. And then from that, what I want us to do now is to do a biblical assessment, because that's always important, that we make that crossover to a biblical assessment of, of what's happening. So, Marshall, that's what I want us to do. Take some of these philosophical ideas, and, and now let's try to compare that. Uh, or maybe we would describe the, as we describe the court claims of, of EFT, now let's give a biblical assessment. Compare that with biblical doctrine, if you can. Yeah, that's good. And and I appreciate what you said just a moment ago. You know, when, when you look at a, a theorist like Susan Johnson or a theory like EFT, nobody does this sort of work because they don't want to see people succeed. She wants, she has a vision for what meaningful, flourishing relationships look like. And she is creating a theory as best as she can uh, know how to. And she's trying to aim at that goal. The The problem is that we know that if those core assumptions aren't derived from the scriptures and they don't accord with what God has revealed to us, then we are going to be aiming at the wrong thing and we're going to be going about it the wrong way. And so I think what we see in the in these philosophical foundations, the, the core claims of EFT, is first there's just a wrong view of man. Instead of seeing man as created by the one true God and fallen and marred because of sin and standing in need of redemption and reconciliation with his maker. Instead, she, she you know, positions man as a product of evolution and inherently good and growth-oriented, 
that's a major problem. You know, if you start with a wrong view of of what we are fundamentally, it's going to go sideways at every other point, just about. And then to get to the issue of of sin, without seeing things through the lens of morality or through the the uh, the construct that there are some things that are pleasing to the Lord and some things that are not, that causes things to go sideways. For example, when she comes to emotions, rather than seeing emotions as something that is an animation of what is happening in the human heart that is either expressing godly or ungodly functions of the heart, she simply sees it in utilitarian terms. So that without God in view, None of these things are aligning with what we find in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we get to the marriage relationship itself, and, and you know, it may be, as you're saying, you know, we might see certain parts of these and try to create analogies or, or connect dots to other parts of Scripture. You might think of the emotional bond and say, wasn't that kind of like the one flesh union? Mm-hmm. Well, not really, because, you know, the way God has established the institution of marriage in the early chapters of Genesis is as a relationship that does include companionship and vulnerability and but it's it's built upon a self-giving love mm-hmm. that images the one creator God. And even when we get to the New Testament in Ephesians, marriage is presented to us as a reflection of uh, Christ in the church where you know this is not merely in um, you know a, a relationship of utility to get one's me- needs met. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's to, in a devastating way, to misunderstand what the marriage relationship is. And so, uh, while you know, it's I think it's admirable that people want to see marriages strengthened. We're for that, right? Mm-hmm. I think if if we don't, if we aren't careful to see that are these core claims aligning with what we find in Scripture, then in our well-intended motives to help people, we're never going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about this, obviously we could go on and on and on, and we're getting close to time. But biblical doctrine is mm-hmm. is not compatible with what you're describing in EFT. That's really the point. So when we look at it from the perspective of how she describes what's wrong with man, man is different in the scriptures. He's presented as something different radically altogether. And, and therefore, when you see man differently from philosophical foundation, the way you describe the problems become radically different, and the things that you seek after for solutions become radically different. So I just want to raise this caution, and I think it's helpful, Marshall, for you to give us some awareness about EFT, what it is, where its foundations lie, and then help us to start that pattern of comparing it to biblical doctrine. And, and what we see when we do it on this level is we don't see some sort of a scientific proposal that ought to trump or inform right our our understanding of scripture what we see is a competing philosophy that's out to tear down the biblical narrative of who man is and what he's striving for to live in relation to God and others in an appropriate manner that pleases the lord and, and that's that, those are two radically different things and and we need to be willing to make a distinction to be good thinkers representing their position well but also being unafraid to speak the truth in love to these things and to caution our counselors as it relates to the literature that is flooded with these types of ideas and for us to be vigilant about that as we stand for the truth and proclaim it for the glory of Christ. Marshall, this has been great. Thank you, brother. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. 
And I'm so grateful for Marshall's work here on emotional focus therapy. Uh, this is a really important topic. We're going to continue this discussion next week. But I, I do want to let our listeners know what's happening with us today at ACBC. We have been talking for the last year about a pastor's retreat. That is happening beginning today. And I can't be more excited about what the Lord will do with 20 couples, pastor and their wives coming to meet us at a retreat center. There will be some of our board members and their wives. And, and I'm looking forward to the next few days, us being able to minister to pastors who are downcast, who are downtrodden, who have been beaten up, so to speak, by the, the difficulties of ministry, especially over the last couple of years with the pandemic and so on. And we want to encourage these brothers and these sisters in, in the things that they're walking through. And so the Lord is finally bringing to pass a vision that we've had for quite some time, and we could not be more excited. I want to ask you to commit to pray for this time over the next several days, if you would do that. Just pray for the pastors who are there, that the Lord would strengthen them, Think of Ephesians chapter 3 in Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, that they would be strengthened in their inner man to understand the beauty of the gospel of Christ, that they would be strengthened to continue forward of preaching the gospel and being strong in the places that God has called them to serve. Would you join us in doing that? Now, you may not have been aware of the pastor's retreat, but we have all sorts of events that are going on with ACBC, and there's a good way for you to keep up with those particular events on our website. So make sure that you avail yourself to upcoming events by going to our website, biblicalcounseling.com.